Welcome to Ethereal Underground, Episode 1. I'm your host, TNT, and to start off the series of shows, I couldn't think of anyone better than a good friend to have as a special guest, Raz Wickham. You want to say hello? Hello to any new listeners for this particular first episode, as well as any upcoming episodes. It's a pleasure and an honor to be here and look forward to uh, discussing any intellectual subjects that we have that may seem enlightening to like-minded people as well as those that are free-thinking people. Now, I did a trailer, uh, I don't know, minute-and-a-half, two-minute trailer describing what Ethereal Underground, what the channel's all about. I gave a little brief background. I'm a research scientist working with field theory, electromagnetic frequencies, ion production. But people don't know your background, and I know future episodes will get into more detail, but just briefly, who or what are you so the audience knows your background? I'm currently a director and producer for a local multimedia company that specializes in developing original IPs. I'm an author of a book series as well as has several music singles available in digital format. And for now, we'll just kind of leave uh, my particular profession at that. We'll go into more detail later on, as you just pointed out. And so as far as this first episode goes for Ethereal Underground, I say, let's get started. All right. I thought a good way to start would be to discuss this weird world matrix that we live in, what uh, you and I or others would call our reality. And wanted to discuss possibilities of, are there glitches in our reality? I say there are many glitches. It just depends on whether or not those of us are attuned to pick up on them. Well, that would go into another category, Mandela Effect. Correct. Perhaps people have heard about that. I know there's documentaries and a lot of YouTube videos on that subject matter. Maybe the change, or I would say, you could use your own words, I would say the strangeness of the music industry in Hollywood, social behavior. So today we have social media, Mm -hmm. and it includes... Or as I like to call it, anti-social media yeah. because of the way that it's meant to condition how you socialize. Right. Yeah. So we that there's uh, I, there's so many apps. I don't know. There's TikTok and Twitter and Telegraph and Discord. There's always a new one every year or every few months. We can't keep track. Uh, Instagram. I don't know. Yeah. It's it's crazy. And then we're hearing more and more, and technology is improving about virtual reality. So I think you have Facebook changing its name to Meta. Mm-hmm. Right, in the metaverse, the virtual reality world. And it's different. We There's terms today, IoT, Internet of Things, IOB, Internet of Body. We didn't have those terms 15, probably 12. No, there's so ago. many new terms that we as a society have to be conditioned to accept even on a yearly basis because back before the days of the Internet, things progressed a lot more slowly, but because of the digital age that we currently live in, there are constant new terms, constant new applications for things that we use in our daily lives that, you know, it can be quite overbearing and hard to keep up with. Yeah, because there's terms, we mentioned smartphone, Mm -hmm. but they have smart appliances, smart cars, smart TVs, smart water. Yeah. Yeah. Smart watches. I thought that the problem with smart water is I'm dumb. And I don't know if it canceled each other out if I drank 
Well, no, the bigger question is, do dumb people think that smart water makes them smart? Yeah. yeah as a kid, they had those candies called Smarties. Oh, yeah. And a little, I always thought if I ate a couple of those rolls before an exam, I would do better. But I don't know. What was the result? I don't know. You tell me. I'm a research scientist there, today. So. So. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't there, so I wouldn't know. But I have uh, one of the parts of, of my notes was comparing today's society. To me, it's very bizarre where we're headed versus the 80s and 90s. My period growing up, one of the nicknames would be the MTV generation. Right. I don't recall off him. You might know, but it might have been 1981 or 82, somewhere around there when MTV first came out. I remember it was really a, a big deal. I was in high school at the time. But the, the 80s and 90s where we had the malls, the huge malls, some of them three stories tall with the escalators and you had the uh, food court and that how we went from that culture, that experience. And I think probably over 90% of that whole model, the malls are, there's a few that are probably still open and active, mm -hmm. but I think 90 plus that whole model is gone. And now everything's online, Amazon and the uh, internet computer. The societal changes is staggering. Well, and speaking of that particular model, what interests me as well as uh, fascinates me having been a kid that grew up in the 80s and 90s is that particular model was meant to wow people with a tangible product in the form of physicality. And what I mean by that is now everything's done all digitally. So there's less production value with trying to get people to physically interact or approach uh, a certain product and or a landmark. For instance, you mentioned the malls. Back in the 80s and 90s especially, going to a big mall was a big deal for certain people that loved to shop because you would look at all the stores and the way that the presentation was put together. It was meant to be enticing so that you would want to immediately go into said store, buy whatever product was hot on the market at the time. And there was a lot of talent and ingenuity that went into that sort of model for, uh, I guess you could say, supply chain. But these days, that supply chain has changed to more online, as you said. So it's interesting how something that took more work and effort both on the manufacturers as well as the consumer to create the act of purchasing and receiving goods and services has changed to where that in and of itself is almost an antisocial act these days. I agree. What you described today, it's very sterile because growing up in the 80s and 90s at the mall, you had, they were crowded. Yes. Always, always busy. You had the demographics, tons of 13, 14, 15-year-olds, as well as 50, 60, 70-year-olds, co-mingling. Perhaps you're walking by and you accidentally bump into one another or rubbing shoulders. One's going one direction, you're going to the other direction. You had uh, music uh, playing in the... Uh, speaker system of the mall. Maybe there were live events. Some malls were designed with a very large courtyard, so they might have fashion shows or concerts, musicians, or some type of entertainment act for free that was in the middle. You had the smells. What mall, how many of us remember what mall didn't have a Cinnabon where you, you, you could smell it a mile away? Of course, that's the catch or a, a, a chocolate chip a mm -hmm. cupcake. You, you, you could, so you have the, the, the smells. You have 
the merchandise, as you had mentioned, Raz, that the forefront presentations well, alone, which would entice customers. Yeah, and you go in there and you physically smell, you, you can smell the new tennis shoes or the, the, the leather shoes and, and touch. And it was about that physical interaction, getting consumers into uh, such areas so that they could see, handle, and touch these objects in person. And if they wanted to purchase it, they would. They had that in-person interactivity with it, whereas today... We still have some of that, but it's that is not the aim with manufacturers and uh, corporations in general. Well, how do if you order a pair of shoes, whether it's a dress shoes, a sports shoe, a tennis shoe, you want to know how it fits. What's the character on? Is it the Bundy character? Oh, at Al Bundy. Al Bundy. Where's the <laughs> Al Bundy's? Mm-hmm. Where you're trying on uh, various shoes, you have that human contact. And then, well, let me try size nine and a half. And he or she goes back, the salesman, yeah. tries to find the sizing. Everything's sterile uh, on, a, on a computer versus today. And I don't know if it's nostalgia, but I really miss that model. Is, there's no way it's ever coming back. The big malls with all the hustle and bustle. I, I remember as a kid, you could spend an entire Saturday or Friday evening at the mall, and, and maybe if you weren't old enough to drive, a parent drops you off and then picks you up at a designated time, mm-hmm. location. Some of these malls I remember were so big. One end of the mall had a movie theater. The other end of the mall had a movie theater mm-hmm. playing different movies. Some of them had were so large. I remember they had two radio shacks, mm-hmm. one at one end, one end, one at the other. And it was, it was a social experience. The arcades, I yes, can't I was, forget the arcades, you know, get- pumping in those quarters. Yeah, I was going to get to the point of that because having uh, been a kid that grew up in the 80s and 90s, especially arcades hit their prime in the 90s. And these days you have places like Dave and Buster's, which are more prestigious uh, locations for such uh, public game playing, if you want to call it that. But it's not the same thing. And everything has gotten so antisocial with presentation and the creativity behind that, that now you've got companies like Arcade One Up that make replicas of those original arcade machines just in a smaller format for your own home. They're doing that instead of just making them available in public arcades anymore, which is good for those of us that would like to relive our childhood and own something like that in our own home. But nothing competes with that social interaction of going to said arcade, even as a kid. And it didn't, Let's say you were playing a four-player side-scroll brawler, kind of like the original Ninja Turtles arcade, mm-hmm. X-Men, The Simpsons. Yeah, A kid could walk into an arcade, and it didn't matter uh, what age group. I know this from experience. You could walk up to an arcade, put your quarter in, start playing, and other people would come and join you. And it became a team interaction with strangers. And that sort of interaction doesn't really exist anymore. And not just with the world of arcade games, but most of everything other than going to the movies is one of the few things that we can still have that collective uh, shared experience. Yeah, because Twitch isn't the same. No. You could have a high-dollar chair, your headphones with the camera on the computer, and you're interacting with someone maybe on the other side of the planet. But that is not the interaction of the arcade. Where you're no. shoulder to shoulder, there's someone accidentally spills a drink, or they're eating popcorn. You, you can smell, or strangers joining in the game, mm-hmm. or they're trying to figure out who got the high score from last week, mm-hmm. whose initials are that. Those days are gone. So today's very sterile and personal. 
And it's funny, right. they talk about today's social media. I think it's anti-social media is <laughs> more accurate. It is because, you know, it seems as if it's more social because people, to a point, have more power behind the keyboard in their minds. But it takes a lot more effort to have a physical interaction. For instance, people who you know, do podcast interviews, they may do okay during a podcast interview, but you put them up in front of a group of people, they don't know what to do. They don't know how to interact with people in a physical setting. And that's something that's definitely lacking from our society in general, because that's how we learn. That's how we progress with intellectual thinking. And when we're sitting, hiding behind a keyboard and a computer screen, there's no interactivity. So it takes little effort. We can say what we want without or feeling that we don't have any consequence to face from it when our society should get back to the way things were in regards to there are consequences to how you interact, how you behaved. Well, I think today when they talk about cyberbullying, yeah, it's easy to snipe at people, mm -hmm. troll, and be hateful speech because you have the anonymity of behind a computer board. If you can you imagine people that that respond to hateful comments or trolling, would they have the courage to do that in a person's face? 90% of the time, no, because back even when I was a kid, we hashed things out in on the playground. If you had a beef with someone, you fought it out either there or at the local park or sometimes near the lockers down the hall. You know, it was a gritty time period, such as, you know, when you would have been a child as well. But these days, people behind, they hide behind their cell phones or their computers to lash out on, onto society or just react in general. And that's all they are. They're just reactionary. They're not doing anything constructive with any form of physical interaction with people because they feel that they don't have to. They feel that, well, I can just go to my social media and socialize that way, not realizing how non-conducive that is for a progressive mindset. Now, I wanted to speak a lot of people i won't go into too much detail on this episode i i think it might warrant an entire episode on its own but a lot of people ask me well what is the difference between field theory and atomic theory i've done hundreds and hundreds of videos and, and interviews about that atomic theory is the most commonly taught if you look at academia all over the world uh that we have universe full of uh, protons, electrons, and neutrons. The uh, Einstein approach, E equals MC squared, theory of relativity. Field theory uh, is different. That would be great minds such as uh, Tesla, mm -hmm. uh, Heaviside, Bunkminster Fuller, Steinmetz, Fair Royal Raymond Reif, some of the geniuses, some women, female scientists as well, but some of the great minds of the late 1800s to mid-1920s. And there seemed to be a, a shift where the great minds and the great progress being made with field theory was hijacked or replaced with atomic theory. And coming to the forefront, a big spokesman, that was pushed to represent atomic theory, for example, would be Einstein. Mm -hmm. But what's interesting is the great minds of field theory, they seem to have been undermined, de-emphasized. And dismissed. 
dismissed. But what's interesting is all their work, all their great work, all of them, their great work was seized by government agencies and taken offline, which is another conversation all in itself. Why is that? But in field theory, there's the concept of the etheric field. That's why Ethereal Underground, the name of this channel, that the etheric field is an active energetic plane. And the best way uh, that I can think of to describe it, is it 100% accurate? No. It's a very complex scientific theory. Either I have a limited vocabulary or it's so complicated there's probably not sufficient words in the English language mm -hmm. to describe the etheric field. But a, a crude understanding would be uh, picture a black gelatin. It's flexible. It's not pure liquid, but it wiggles like jello. And this black material, gelatinous material, is energized, but it becomes activated when a frequency comes in contact with it. When I was a kid, I don't know if you remember, there was a toy called Light Bright. You remember that toy? Had one. Okay, yeah. So it's, it's that, that white triangle had a light bulb in the middle, and you had the black paper. So two of you could play. Mm -hmm. And it had the pegs that you could Yeah, play. the premise of the peg, right. So you had the different color pegs. And then uh, Light Bright always... I'm sure you've done. I mean, what kid hasn't? If they know, and Lightbright's still available today. I saw one the other day. Oh, interesting. It, I mean, the design has it. How's it cha hasn't changed ever well, since? It just goes to show how good the stuff was when we were kids. Yeah, keep bringing it back. For yeah, nostalgia reasons. Right, uh, uh, etch a sketch and spiral graph. Mm -hmm. But on Lightbright, it uh, always worked best if you had the lights out. Yes, like if you're in a bedroom. That's how it was supposed to be played. Yeah, with. you turn the lights out, and then as you grab the pegs, which are different colors, I. For sake of argument, I don't. I remember there was purple, yellow, lime green, red, yeah, blue. So you put the peg in the screen, which had little holes, and the peg would pierce the black paper, and the peg stays in place. But once the black paper was pierced, the peg would light up. Mm -hmm. And you I, you poke and place the uh, pegs, and then I don't know you. Doing a flower or a boat or a car or a tractor. I remember specifically the original packaging had a clown face on it. A clown, okay, yeah, a clown face, yeah, on the box, mm -hmm. the cover box. So it was endless fun. And of course, you could uh, pull out the used black paper, put in a new sheet, start all over. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's kind of endless uh, entertainment. But the reason why I use that as an illustration is the etheric field would be like that black paper. Mm -hmm. And a Electromagnetic frequency is thought. Human thought, when you have a thought, you send an electromagnetic frequency. So a human thought, which is related to consciousness, when you have that electromagnetic frequency that leaves your consciousness, when it interacts with the etheric field, it's like taking a peg and poking it through the black paper. And that peg illuminates. So your thought, when it hits the etheric field, the etheric field lights up like the peg would. In layman's terms, almost think of it as the, the real information superhighway. Correct. So the etheric field 
isn't something that you could get in a spaceship, launch into orbit, and then run into it. The etheric field is actually based in counter space, which would be beyond, it's up to debate, there's other theories, 11 or 12 dimensions. It'd be beyond the 11 or 12 dimensions. We're in the third dimension, borderlining the fourth. So this etheric field is outside our dimensions, but our electromagnetic energy of our thoughts does not stay in this dimension. No, the frequency uh, travels. It travels, and, and then it reaches counter space and interacts with the etheric field. So what's interesting is counter space, the old terminology that's very familiar is, is people have used the term heaven, mm-hmm. for example, or where source, the divine or God might dwell, but uh, counter space would be on the other side of the event horizon or the uh, inverse, the other side of, of a black hole. The etheric field, it's impossible to have any electromagnetic frequency output, such as a thought. It's impossible to not have that thought registered, ping, or light up in the etheric field. So if there's intelligence, whether it's a divine intelligence, source, or some ancient texts refer to a dynamic energy, whatever is in counter space and either owns the etheric field or is responsible for energizing the etheric field, in all the dimensions on this side of counter space, nothing can be hidden from whoever owns or manages or maintains the etheric field. Mm-hmm. You can't hide anything because it's manifest as soon as it hits the etheric field. And when it hits it, it's almost like... A- I don't know why I can't think of the name of it, of the name of it at the time. Uh, remember what women decades ago used to do? A lot of women did this job. Patch bay. Think of it as like a patch bay. Mm-hmm. You know, once that information hit whoever's in control, whatever dimensional being, if you want to call it that, it's like they're working at patch bay. So whenever your thoughts are released into that, that's what. That's why there are sometimes uh, similar ideas that spring from different people from different time periods because once you come up with what you think is an original thought you have put it out there and that can be downloaded that's right and it's downloaded because of what they're again think of it in simple terms as a patch bay they're patching one idea into another uh, doorway so to speak that can be downloaded down into another person sure so there's ancient civilizations ancient texts that talk about the akashic record or uh, a grand library, and there is there there is a universal grand library. There's data that's stored, maintained in the etheric field. I have a, a, an understanding, and some of the experiments that I'm involved in, in in the lab, that there are ways to download the data contained in the etheric field if the frequency oscillation is correct. The download is instantaneous. Well, and there's also a discipline to how one can achieve that, too, on a regular basis. Oh, yes. Which I won't go into too much detail about. But um, you know how to do it. As an artist, I know how to do it. It, To a point, can be taught, but a lot of that depends on a person's what would be referred to as spiritual frequency. If your frequency is not aligned, you're not going to be able to have access to download either 
any information from that or as much as someone who is disciplined in that area. Correct. Well, the reason why I bring that up, it was a quick description. It wasn't meant to take this conversation on a detour by any means because it's it's definitely relevant, I think. Well, that's not I think. I know as far as my understanding. Again, never claimed to know it all. Have I been wrong? Unfortunately, yes, too many times. But the matrix reality that we experience, that we live in, is directly affected by music, Hollywood, Mm -hmm. government, academia, society is affecting our reality and influencing each and every one, our consciousness. And that also takes a disciplined mind to mentally sift through what is worth paying attention to and what is worth just completely ignoring. Well, what I wanted to ask you, not to put you on the spot, but I kind of am putting you on the spot maybe. I don't know. What's your thoughts? And there isn't any wrong answer. I just want your opinion or your thoughts. How do you think music or Hollywood affects us, our consciousness in this reality that we live in, this matrix. Do you have any? Well, for one, I can give you the why it's designed to do what it does in regards to the things that would be considered unhealthy. And, you know, it's the same with having a, a food diet. You know, you have your, what, what would be considered garbage fast food. It may taste good, may fill you up. Is it healthy for you? No. It takes a much healthier diet in order to sustain a healthier metabolism as well as immune system and the same thing with what we digest uh, food wise it's the same with what we digest through our forms or means of entertainment there are good forms of it there's a lot of bad unfortunately most of it these days is bad and the reason for that is so that we're just constantly digesting what you know is a fast food form of entertainment and art And it's specifically used to not only dumb us down, but to make us unhealthy because when it comes to art, it doesn't matter if it's a film, music, video game, a beautiful painting, a graphic novel, anything of that nature. It it speaks to us on an emotional level. The powers that be know this, and that's what they have spent decades learning how to manipulate. Because if you can manipulate people on an emotional level with things that they're fanatic about, that is right now still the most powerful way to control uh, an entire populace. What, what about technology? Don't you think technology has improved to the point where media, there are different forms, sound waves, flicker rate, can perhaps affect the subconscious? Yes, and they've been doing that for years. It's uh, purposely designed to mess with a people's or a person's subconscious because most people, they're not aware of what the subconscious is or what is metaphorically referred to as the third eye. And what they do in changing with frequencies or you know, different flash rates with different forms of media, especially these days in the world of HD, there's so many different things that are done subliminally mm-hmm. that people aren't catching on to that is meant to do various things. Depends on what it is. Sometimes it's meant to make people think, feel, or act a certain way. Other ways, it's just simply to dumb us down for the sake of enslavement. 
Well, what about thousands upon thousands of years, easily? Music was in 432 hertz. And then with the magic wand, you research who decided to change globally and music why? to being 440. And why? And why? So who mm -hmm. who's involved? It's interesting. You do some research, you find out who was involved in that. And what is the big deal? There is a big deal of 432 and what that frequency uh, harmonics does to the body, to the human cell versus 440. Because all music today and instruments are tuned to 440. And think of uh, having a glass of water. Everyone, well, most people remember that scene from Jurassic Park when the plastic cup of water vibrates from the tremor effect of the T-Rex walking nearby. Mm -hmm. It's a similar uh, reaction and causation that happens in the human body since we have a lot of water makeup. Those frequencies and vibrations, they're meant to hit in certain ways that can change how a person thinks as well as how our DNA works with our own immune system. Correct. <laughs> well, you know, personally, how many years I've been working on water research, a lot of the discoveries, we, we the, the group of scientists work with, or at least collaborate worldwide, we are really off the grid. Unfortunately, I think today's current structure, government structure, academia, legal, political structure. Uh, we don't apply for patents anymore. We don't participate in white papers, uh, published or peer review. Unfortunately, there's, I don't know if, I don't think corruption is too harsh of a word, but what we've experienced and the way this world operates, there's a lot of technology discoveries that not only does the world not know about, but a lot of great minds who have had tremendous discoveries and they've kept their mouth shut. Not that they are trying to deliberately withhold it from human society. It's just the, the way the structure is today. It's very dangerous. And IP, intellectual property, that can benefit mankind or great strides could easily be hijacked, stolen, silenced of discovery. It's a very ugly world out there, but water is the secret to life in our dimension. The, the water molecules, the, the most misunderstood molecular structure, and I think it's by design, it's unfortunate, but water is an organic battery. Mm -hmm. It is absolutely necessary for any carbon-based life form at any conscious level. So that would include plants. Plants have a certain level of consciousness. Animals. Animals, humans. And then even the planetary system, mm -hmm. this earth, being carbon-based, has a level of consciousness. But what's interesting is what's the common thread? If you don't know it, I, I can give you the answer. What's the common thread between earth, plants, animals, and humans? What do we all have in common? That we share water type structure. That's it. And it's not by accident that the water composition of the earth is basically identical to the water composition of a human, mm -hmm. especially at birth. It's anywhere and between 71, 73% water content. That's not by accident. No, that alone is by what would be 
considered grand design. Intelligent design, grand design. So water, we've found out that water has the ability to retain memory to a certain extent or hold a level of consciousness or intent. And if the water molecule is manipulated uh, to a, in a matter of field theory, which is a different type of physics than atomic theory, that water can be restructured or energized. And when water is in an energized state, it can receive code or instruction. It can receive intent. And then when that water molecule is absorbed by a human, plant, or animal, the energy of the energized water, but also the programming or intent directly affects intracellularly Mm -hmm. the mitochondria, the vesicles, the nucleus, and the studies are phenomenal. But this current world matrix, the political, economic, academia thwarts and prevents that knowledge from reaching the world's citizenry, unfortunately. And they prevent it because of how easily it is to manipulate something that retains memory. Well, yeah, and I, it's it, if you get into the comedy series of is it uh, Mike Myers of uh, Austin Powers mm -hmm. and Doctor Evil, yeah, the, the the character. So if you go the route with the possibility of maybe a certain personality, uh, a mindset, where people thirst for power, wealth, wanting to maybe control the direction steer mankind based on their philosophies mm -hmm. you, you you have these individuals if i jokingly talk about dr evil on that funny series of movies movies that he did it would be that class of individuals wouldn't it be to their advantage to dumb down society or keep them in an unhealthy state mm -hmm. because it's easier to control or manipulate the the human family if they're in a state of dis-ease, mm -hmm. the root of disease. And uh, a lot of times the, the root of disease is when a cell is not at ease. And a lot of times why the cell is not at ease, it's not getting hydrated and doesn't have micronutrients mm -hmm. able to penetrate the cell wall that's necessary for the it's, – it's amazing. You look into any – biologist listening to this microbiologist has greater knowledge than, than I do um, with my field of chemistry, environmental science, but uh, it's a whole universe in itself, the complexities of how a cell, it's like a city. Mm -hmm. Well, for that city to function uh, properly, you have to have uh, nutrition, food has to come in, waste has to exit, you have to have a defense system or uh, you like a city would have a police department, a fire department. These cells are actually uh, cities. They're very complex. What happens to any city today if there's a sanitization strike? Right. Or the, 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 waste, no food. the waste builds up. Or food. And there, then there's no way to get rid of it. Yeah. Or there's problems with the water, mm -hmm. contaminated water, or there's a water main break, and there's, and, and there's boil alerts, or food, the grocery stores, the just-in-time supply chain can't. You're looking at chaos in the city. The, whatever civility the city had goes out the window in less than two weeks. It turns into a Mad Max situation. Well, picture the, the human body and the cell not getting 
proper hydration, proper nutrition, able to excrete or handle waste properly. You have a dysfunctioning cell, like you would have a dysfunctioning. What happened to Katrina in New Orleans? Yeah, excellent point. I mean, so I see this. I'm, we're not the only ones that, that see this. But I think the question with future videos, uh, podcasts, would be, is this matrix reality of today, one, is it normal? If it's not normal, is it being manipulated? And how, what uh, signs do we pick up on to tell how manipulated it really is? And if it is, who or what is manipulating it? What's the end game? Is there a way to escape the influence of aspects of this matrix that are negative or harmful to and us as individuals and as conscious spiritual human beings. And if there's no way to escape, how do we endure? You got it. I don't think anyone has nailed this, you know, bullseye and knows all the answers. I, I don't know how you could, but I do think that people get close, but I, I don't know the percentage of, of the global population. I don't know how many people really take the time to meditate and study on this topic or even care about this topic. Now you and I always have since one, it becomes a balancing act because you know, the powers that be purposely make daily life a struggle to where people feel like they're too tired or too busy to focus on such things. But that's one of the goals of this podcast series is to help open up people's minds to what is and what is possible so that they realize that with what time they can give, we, we all have busy schedules that are hectic, but regardless, life goes on without you, whether you like it or not. So you have to look in the mirror and ask yourself, are you going to take the time, even if it's just a little time, whether it's daily, uh, weekly, monthly, whatever, are you going to take the time to try to educate yourself on things that you should already know? And obviously, we don't expect even ourselves. We don't know everything. We're always going to be learning. Life is the whole purpose of life, or one of the main purposes of life is to spend your whole life trying to learn everything you can because you cannot know everything. Mm -hmm. But it, it goes a long way for someone who at least takes the effort to try to educate themselves on what they need to know in regards to what's going on in their world, what led to what's going on to the world, and where we're going because of what's going on. So let me, let me ask you this. We earlier in this podcast, we touched on today's technology, the social changes. We tend to be more isolated, staring at a computer screen engaged in the internet. And we have these smartphones, these devices where everyone is uh, staring down, looking at them constantly scrolling. I, I'm amazed at how many times I, for example, going out to eat, you see a family of four, and three out of four members of the family are all staring at their No one's talking to each other, but they're each one's looking at the phone. I don't know if they're playing video games or responding to text messages or looking on face, Facebook, what we used to be called Facebook. And we have the Internet of Things, the Internet of Body. Doesn't it seem like mankind which I think is being influenced, pushed, or steered in this direction, don't you see that mankind 
is heading towards some form of a transhumanism? Yes, that is definitely something that has been in the works for a very long time. So that during that process, it causes a populace to lose its identity, its sense of self, which is one of the main purposes of trying to force such an agenda. I think Hollywood, for example, and I might be using this wrong. You can correct me. When I talk about Hollywood, I'm, I'm talking about movie and television or um, the entertainment industry in general. Yeah, in general. So it could be streaming. Like, what's some stream? Is like like Netflix or Disney Plus? Yeah, HBO, and, and HBO Max, Hulu. The list goes on. Yeah, streaming. Okay. So what's interesting the the transhumanism or the concept of a Borg, you know, part machine, part human. That, yeah, that is be, under a complete collective consciousness. Think yeah, of a hive mind. A hive mind. Wasn't that first, or I, I, I just remember that first concept or seeing it was way back in Star Trek. Mm-hmm. And I think you, you know, is it the next generation? Mm-hmm. It was What year was that, that that first appeared? It actually ended up being uh, much farther back than I thought even though I semi grew up with the show it turned out to be 1989 when that concept came out in that particular series okay so 1989 so if we go we turn the clock back which is funny because there's a lot of people maybe listening to this weren't weren't even born yet 1989 so but in 1989 the concept of the Borg presented in the Star Trek uh, Next Generation series did we have the internet in 1989? No. You go back in 1989, what kind of hardware computer systems did we have? And that's DOS. <laughs> well, that was the early stages yeah. of Macintosh. Mm-hmm. And then you, you had the advances of Commodore 64 mm-hmm. came out like in the 80s. Pet Commodore, 60, and then the Tandy Corporation or Radio Shack had their versions. Uh, by 89, I think IBM finally came out with. But these are still early state. Here's what's interesting. The Star Trek in the original series, which was in the, what, the 60s, Gene Roddenberry, yeah. and then you had Leonard Nimoy, William Shatner, Shatner, and, and the others. Star Trek always seemed to be way ahead of its time and able to predict the future, haven't they? It's one of the many IPs that's been able to do that. And part of that is because you do have some famous IPs where naturally just the creative minds that worked on it just had enough foresight to write the stories that they did that just, you know, when you look at things now where some of that science fiction is not so fiction anymore, but then there's other IPs such as the original Star Trek where it speculated that that was done by design as to why it was ahead of its time because it was meant to subconsciously tell us that, hey, this is where we're headed technology-wise. Okay, well, the the reason why I bring that up is the, the uncanny ability of Star Trek to predict the future so well and give us a glimpse or supplant that into our subconscious. And sure enough, replicating food or 3D printing is coming. The concept of a tablet, such as an iPad. Yeah, the tablet and beam me up, Scotty, and the flip phone and the communication. And so what scares me is in 1989, you had this Borg, part human, part machine, the hive mind collectiveness. Well, based on Star Trek's track record, They've been pretty darn good, haven't they? Mm-hmm. Well, I see that. It scares the daylights out of me because I think that's where we're heading with transhumanism. 
which is what they want. Because if you have a collective consciousness that's like a hive mind, then in its own way it becomes so tribal that you can't shake it or it can't be shaken. If you look at all the Fortune 50, Fortune 100 companies worldwide, you look at some of the most profitable or wealthiest companies are all involved in data gathering. Mm -hmm. We know who they are. They're very well-known household names. Mm -hmm. So it seems to me that the name of the game now is not only to change the human genome and this Borg-like part machine, part organic, but artificial intelligence, these supercomputers are playing a large role and information and data is so valuable now. Why is that data so valuable? Where is it going? It's feeding and educating in real time AI. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a huge danger, extreme danger that we need to face and that could cripple the sheer essence of what it means to be human. Which is ironic you bring that up because Two years ago, my production entity, small, obviously, in regards to how many people in this world know about it, but we started a project in relation to creating a new uh, trilogy for the Terminator IP due to the lack of success that the last two entries were known for as far as the fifth and sixth films. And we gave a specific name for it, or I did anyway, and I called it Operation Confirm Humanity. And the reason I called it that was because I was doing a, an order or something on the internet. And normally, uh, for security reasons, they force you to do what's called a CAPTCHA, where it says, like, pick all the bikes in this blocks of images or pick how many uh, road lights, buses. Oh, to see that or make sure you're not a bot. Yeah, it's almost okay. like a child's game Yeah, and whatnot. But uh, instead of giving me a CAPTCHA, the website specifically said, confirm humanity. And I sat back in my seat from the computer. It caught me off guard because I thought that's, it felt very invasive. I had never seen that asked before on any website. So I had already been working on the project. I thought that's what I'm going to call the, the overall project. And I'll go into further detail in a later episode. But just the, uh, the irony that you bring that up because, as I said earlier, science fiction is becoming not so fiction anymore and ai is definitely a an ongoing threat that either most people ignore or they just don't think that it's possible they think that it's just something they saw in a movie not realizing that even a lot of what we've seen in movies such as the terminator series that's based on real science i'm afraid it is so what is interesting is Silicon Valley and certain well-known uh, CEOs or executives of these Fortune 50 companies, there's no need to mention their names, it's public record that they've boasted that they have 88, maybe close to 91% accuracy that they can not only know where you're going to be a week, 
from this coming Tuesday that they think that they know what you'll be ordering on the internet a week from this Tuesday and that with their algorithms and calculations that they might even ship it before you order it. And when you finally do go to order it, all of a sudden there's a knock on the door, a notification hours later and you'll be like, I can't believe it. It's already here at my doorstep. And they're proud of the fact that they're being able with a high percentage of accuracy, predict human behavior. Well, and even beyond that, they're working towards augmentation where average citizen will want to have some sort of augmented features added to their biology, such as, I cannot remember his name. I'll mention it in a later episode, but um, a physicist, I think also, you know, slash scientist, what have you, had mentioned how they had already been working on inserts or some sort of eye surgery, similar to contact lenses, but something that would be permanently put into your retinas to where you would see almost like what you're looking at on a computer screen. You could shop through sites like Amazon with the blink of an eye and order that way through how your brain function. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, it, <laughs> it's, it's mind-blowing. So I think what we'll do is, I've got a few notes here. I would like to talk more about this disturbing trend of transhumanism, the influence of Silicon Valley, CERN, quantum computing, and the relationship with the etheric field. All very deep uh, subjects for anyone who's willing to listen and wants to learn more. So I'd say stay tuned for those future episodes. It's, it's mind-blowing. Uh, a lot of in-depth detail we'll get into with these topics. And I hope everyone enjoyed the first show, episode one. I'm very glad that this was launched with you, Raz. And since you were so kind to be a part of episode one and, and future episodes, but you traveled quite a distance, how about after the program, I get you a nice tall glass of iced tea? Make it sweet. <laughs> it's a deal. Take care, guys.